hear that sound? It's not just any car honking. It's a pickup truck cruising through neighborhood alleys looking for scrap metal. Though it's not that easy. Uh, mainly you go through alleys and you find metal that people threw out. You want copper, aluminum, brass, steel, stainless steel. Old air conditioners, refrigerators, washers, broken bikes. If it contains metal, it has a price tag. Some people collect scrap metal for a living, others for a few bucks. Recycling scrap metal is a multi-billion dollar business in the United States. Most of the steel that is produced in this country comes from scrap metal, about 70%. Scrap metal is way cheaper and better for the environment, as opposed to mining raw materials. There's a huge demand locally and across the globe. In Chicago, these metal scrappers play a big role in cleaning up old stuff that would otherwise pile up in the alley and might eventually go to a landfill. But oftentimes, it's hard to see who they are, who's behind the wheel. They do their work in plain sight, yet not many people know how dangerous their work can be. Hey, it's Curious City reporter Adriana Cardona-Magigad. We've been getting lots of questions about how these scrap metal recyclers operate, how much they make each day, and what it's like to be going through alleyways collecting metal all day. I spent a few days talking with recyclers on the streets, and one of them let me ride along for a full day to find out. Francisco! His name is Francisco. ¿Qué va? ¿Qué va a dar, okay? More on that, coming up. Nada? No va a dar nada, okay? I met up with Francisco Garcia at 6.30 a.m. on a recent morning in Pilsen. He's 71, but he can move quickly and jump on the back of his truck to load up metal. He collects scrap metal for a living in a truck that he drives around many neighborhoods at least six days a week. His truck is easy to spot. Francisco glued several mannequin heads to the roof. One looks like a hipster with a long beard and a stylish haircut, the asymmetrical style. Before it had a break, Francisco says now he's thinking about giving the mannequin a trim. A few beat-up dolls hang on the sides of his truck. All those are toys he's found driving around the city, he says. Some are glued to the board near his windshield. A crocodile, a shark. Before we start looking for metal, we stop by a gas station. He only puts $25 in gas. Gas prices are so high. He barely fills half his tank. I ask Francisco where we're headed. He says further down toward East Pilsen. Whatever the day takes us, whatever there is scrap metal. After Pilsen, he plans to drive through Chinatown. 
yo voy para allá para la charla y allá me meto para allá y también se quedan ahí. The idea is to go through alleys and pick up anything containing iron, copper, aluminum. While I'm in the car with him, we both start looking for appliances, metal benches, electronics, but it's not that simple. Mira ese colchón. No, eso no es. Pero tiene ahí como unos como los resortes, ¿no? Eso no. No te dan nada. I see a mattress. He quickly dismisses it. The springs aren't easy to shred, he says. And you run the risk of getting bedbugs. Some things look like metal from a distance, but turns out it's plastic or wood. Francisco knows how to spot scrap metal from far away. While we drive around, he keeps meeting people he knows, people he's met on the job. Some people smile as he's passing by, taking a second look at his truck. They even take pictures. Just like his truck decorated with dolls and mannequin heads, Francisco has a pretty unique style. He has long braided hair. I ask him to tell me a bit about that long braid he has. He laughs. Sometimes he wears a cowboy hat. He listens to a Spanish language radio station. Francisco tells me he came to the United States from Mexico roughly 30 years ago. He's been metal scrapping more consistently in recent years. But even before that, he's done it off and on. Scrap metal recycling, or junkiando, as some people call it, is a job that's been around for centuries, since before the Industrial Revolution. And in Chicago, demand for scrap metal has grown higher as the city became larger and was industrializing. Metal scrapping has no entry-level requirements, no education needed. Francisco likes the work because he's his own boss. He doesn't need to follow a schedule, and speaking only Spanish isn't an issue. Regardless of all that flexibility, Francisco doesn't have health insurance, savings, a retirement plan. He's not expecting Social Security either. That's a reality for many scrap metal recyclers who do this type of work on their own. When I followed Francisco, it was a pretty hot day, more than 80 degrees. By 11 a.m., he had driven all over Pilsen and was almost done with Chinatown. After more than four and a half hours of driving, he hadn't collected much. He says, it's garbage day. On those days, you need to be collecting before the garbage trucks make their rounds. Scrap metal recycling is big business in the United States. Scrap recycling in the United States actually has a $117 billion, with a B, economic impact here in the U.S. That's Joseph Pickard with the Institute of Scrap Recycling Industries. He's citing a study they did last year. According to this report, he says, scrap metal recycling supports more than 500,000 jobs domestically. And those jobs include employees that are directly employed by 
the industry, but also the suppliers. Those suppliers are everything from, you know, professional service and business service providers, but also suppliers of scrap metal as well. And the suppliers of scrap metal include everything from auto dismantlers to metal scrappers like Francisco, who collect end-of-life appliances and deliver them to scrapyards. Pickard says a big part of the scrap metal recycling industry comes from larger manufacturing companies that have an organized supply chain. Recyclers like Francisco are at the bottom, but they still play an important role, even if it's on a smaller scale. They help recycle old appliances and hazardous objects containing metals that otherwise could easily end up in landfills. Pickard says this type of work is tied to the global economy, demand and supply. When demand is high, he adds, prices also go up. That incentivizes scrap metal recyclers, and right now, demand is high. Out in the streets, it's around noon, and Francisco is still having a hard time finding scrap metal. Yesterday, I drove around all day long and didn't find much, he says. Aside from finding enough objects, the amount of money he takes home is determined by the global price of scrap metal each day. And that also depends on the type of appliances or metal he finds. The metal from refrigerators might pay about $145 a ton. But collecting a ton is extremely difficult, especially because refrigerators have plastic parts. To give you an idea, when I asked Francisco, he says a small refrigerator that weighs about 100 pounds is only worth about five bucks or less, depending on the day. I thought finding a refrigerator was a big deal, but not really. Francisco also collects electric cords from fans and other appliances because they contain copper wire. He holds on to it until he gets enough. The price for clean copper wire can approach $4 a pound, depending on the type. But that's only if it's clean and stripped. Francisco usually gets less depending on how clean his wire is. I ask if he worries about his financial security. He says yes. Though he likes collecting scrap metal, he agrees. It's very unpredictable. His luck improves as we keep driving around. Little by little, we keep finding stuff, he says. Some days he makes $100, other days he makes way less. On average, he makes about $60. That's around $1,500 per month. There's never enough to save, he says. Francisco lives in Pilsen in a one-bedroom apartment and pays about $900 a month for rent. The rest he spends on utilities, food, car insurance, and other unpredictable expenses, like his car broke down recently. He says all those expenses add up. But he tries to stay positive. He quotes an old saying in Spanish. 
God squeezes you but doesn't strangle you. But the struggles aren't just economic. Francisco and other metal scrappers also face real hazards on the job. That's next. It's around 1 p.m. and we start to find more metal once we get to Bridgeport. I spot several rusty metal beams. They're large and heavy and won't fit in the back of Francisco's truck, so he has to cut them in half. Francisco quickly comes up with a plan on where to cut these metal bars. He uses gloves to protect his hands from the rust and warns me not to touch anything. He rearranges his truck to make sure everything fits. He tells me other times he needs to drain the contaminants from old appliances in order to get paid the going rate. Pues los micros esos tienen radiación. Vienen tanques de gas, vienen los aires acondicionados, la tubería ves que trae albesto, la ya de la antigua que la quita uno, trae albesto. Otherwise, he'll get less for the item or won't be able to sell it. He's also constantly doing math in his head, figuring out how much he'll take home that day. All of these are skills that are oftentimes overlooked. I loathe the term unskilled labor as it relates to this. Carl Simrain is a professor at Pratt Institute. He has written extensively about scrap metal recycling. I understand the history behind that term, but one of the things I, I, I argue is that to do well in identifying and uh, getting usable scrap, actually a, a tremendous set of skills need to be cultivated for that person to succeed. He says historically, scrap metal recycling has been done by immigrants, many who are undocumented. So they are vulnerable to exploitation. There can be serious safety risks as well. This is an incredibly hazardous work to perform. Francisco agrees there are many hazards on the job. Recyclers like him have to worry about rusty metal, avoiding the possibility of explosions from gas tanks they find along the way. Uh, if you're, say, collecting an old washing machine, it's going to be heavy. You might cut it up to put it in your vehicle, but of course, in doing so, you might expose yourself to wounds. You might expose yourself to tetanus. Um, you also might have to sort out materials that might be found in collections of other discards that could be hazardous as well, ranging from broken glass to... Uh, corrosive chemicals, all types of things that you would encounter as hazards on your daily work. Over the years, Francisco has invested in some equipment to do his work. He keeps a grinder in his truck for cutting metal. Here, he starts cutting the metal beams. The friction makes lots of sparks. He doesn't have goggles to protect his eyes. Francisco says he's usually more careful than many other scrap metal recyclers. Not everyone can afford the right equipment to clean and cut metal. (laughs) 
One of his friends, he says, wears sandals. He shows me a picture of a time when a heavy object fell on her face. Her eye and forehead are pretty bruised up. But even when he's trying to be careful, it's hard to avoid danger. An accident can happen any time. About three months ago, he went to pick up some scrap metal near Rush Hospital. As he was carrying it to his truck, he slipped on a patch of ice and fell, injuring his head. Lots of blood, he says. He was sent to Cook County Hospital. By around 2 p.m., we keep driving around in his truck. Temperatures keep rising. It's around 90 degrees. Francisco doesn't take breaks. He keeps looking for more metal. He doesn't have enough to call it a day, but he remains calm. He jokes around, tells me lots of stories. We spot a few stuffed animals in an alleyway near trash cans along the way. I pointed out to him a teddy bear, a gorilla. But Francisco quickly dismisses them. He says he only likes a very specific type, the spooky kind. He's been looking for a version of Chucky to add to his collection. As he's telling me all of this, some guys call out to him. They have some metal fences they need to get rid of. He also stops by an alley where some guy is fixing his car. He gives Francisco a few broken engine parts. Francisco's truck is pretty full now. We head to an industrial area in Little Village near Ketsi Avenue. A la 31. A la 31 con la... Ketsi. Hola, Lupe! When he gets to the scrap metal yard, it's busy. Cars loaded with metal are going in and out. People in small cars hoping to make a few bucks from old appliances, pickup trucks, lifters, and big semis. It can be easy to get hit by one of those trucks if you're not paying attention. The pickup trucks, like Francisco's, park in a specific location. There's a large bin where he dumps all the scrap metal before it's weighed. He has to lift all that metal again by himself and dump it in the bin. Earlier that morning, Francisco dropped a bunch of metal, including a boiler, air conditioner, a futon frame. He tells me he's heard of accidents happening at other scrap metal recycling yards. That's usually where they load, weigh, and get cash for their scrap metal. 
Other recyclers are trying to also lift a boiler and other heavy objects out of their trucks. There are different kinds of places scrap metal recyclers can take their metal. There are big metal shredding facilities, and there are smaller scrap yards that some people call mom-and-pop businesses. Local environmental advocates say both kinds of metal scrap recycling facilities can contribute to noise, traffic, and air pollution, affecting residents in nearby neighborhoods like Little Village. Also, pose a fire hazard if contaminated materials are not properly handled. But most environmental advocates I talk to say they are focusing their efforts on the big scrap metal recyclers that shred metal. They want them out of the city. The metal recyclers I spoke with say they're providing an important service and they contribute to the reuse of materials. They point out that's good for the environment. And Francisco says, if the local scrap metal yard where he sells his metal closes, his job is going to be harder. OSHA, the agency that oversees work and safety conditions, requires companies to do hazard assessments. But those safety requirements often protect only employees and people working inside the scrap yard facilities. Independent scrap metal workers like Francisco don't get protections on the job. Francisco understands he needs to be careful. The day I followed him, he made about 70 bucks for the entire day, in about nine hours. Simring, the researcher, thinks the situation for scrappers like Francisco could be better. There are ways to make this kind of work safer. He says... Chicago is already considered a sanctuary city for immigrants. Why not expand on that notion? The idea behind a sanctuary city is we have to protect the most vulnerable. Maybe advocating with the mayor, with the city council, to develop some protections for these workers, whether they're working in scrap or whether they're working in food service or whether they're working in construction, to give them... Um, a less precarious present and future is the way to go. I asked Francisco to reflect on his work as a scrap metal recycler at his age. It's it's hard, it's very hard, Francisco says. If we don't know how to protect ourselves, we can get seriously hurt, get bruises, cuts, hurt our backs. We don't know if we're going to be able to make it out the next day. He says scrap metal recyclers like him are trying to make a living while helping keep the alleys clean. Without them, there will be a lot more dangerous scrap metals out in the alleys and in landfills. Okay, bueno, que estás bien? Bueno, te cuidas. Curious City is supported by the Conant Family Foundation. It's produced by Joe Desau and Jason Mark. 
Alexandra Salomon and Jesse Dukes edit the show. Maggie Sivet is the digital and engagement producer. Asia Singleton is our intern. Special thanks to Sylvia Goodman and Kate Cahan. I'm Adriana Cardona-Magigar. Thanks for listening. <laughs>